Accountants Are Sexy is back for another season and this season we'll see our 100th episode. I want to take a moment to thank everyone that's helped so far. Every like, listen, subscribe, watch, all of it means the world to me. This season is sponsored by Charterpath. Charterpath is a charity designed to help the financial skills gap within non-profits. I've recently joined their advisory board to help them on their mission to increase volunteering within the financial sector from only 10% to a very healthy 50%. If you want any more information on how you can be a part of this mission, then drop me a message or leave a comment or visit their website, charterpath.org. Now, are we ready to meet the guests? So, welcome. I can't believe we got this right first time. I'm dead happy. So welcome to another episode of Accountants of Sexy Changed My Mind. Today we've got a very special guest with us, which is Reza Huda. I am sure you know Reza because he's prolific on social media and within the accounting space. There's talking and all sorts. So um, we'll talk a bit more, uh, or I'll talk a bit more about marketing and the pricing and stuff in a bit. But Reza, please do the honour and just introduce yourself a bit more for the people that might not know you. Sure. Well, thank you, uh, Kelly, for having me on. Uh, pleasure to be here. So I am, I'm a practice owner. A lot of people nowadays, they, they're quite surprised when I say I'm a practice owner because of the stuff I put out on, on LinkedIn and Facebook is all about, you know, coaching and mentoring for accountants. But actually, I still run a practice. And uh, yeah, thankfully, it kind of runs without me now, but I'm still in charge of strategy, marketing, sales and that kind of stuff. So I'm still involved. I have a, a practice which uh, we have about eight people. We're on the south coast, sunny Hampshire is where we're based. I've been running it for the last 15 or so years. Prior to that, I trained with PwC, left in 2008 during the, the credit crunch to, uh, to to buy into a small practice. When I first started, I had no clue what I was doing because although I was a good accountant and tax advisor, I was a pretty novice business owner. So I made all the mistakes under the sun as you do because you're pretty clueless. So winging it uh, a lot of the time got to a point where, uh, you know, I had kind of high staff turnover. Two clients would come in, four clients would leave and things weren't in a good place after a few years. So and then I kind of I stumbled across um you know, a webinar, kind of an epiphany moment where I realized, actually, there's this world out there of others who have kind of gone before me. And there's this whole world of, uh, of business, of self-development, of people sharing their stories, you know, books, podcasts, online courses, YouTube. And I immersed myself uh, from learning from others. And since sort of 2014, working on myself, be, becoming a better business owner, then things started to transform. And from 2014 onwards up to about 2018, you know, big things happened. We, we, we transformed things in the practice, quadrupled our turnover, um, you know, 10x our profits. And I got down to working less than 10 hours a week in the practice. Following that, I then, I was then invited by my mentor to come and deliver how I did what I did to his audience. So I started to then teach accountants and the rest is history. So since then, I've kind of gone on to, to now, uh, do what, um, what I, what I, what I myself did as a, as a, as a, as a student of others. I now kind of uh, teach other accountants based upon my learnings and experiences over the years to help them build a more profitable, successful and impactful accounting firm. Very good. So, um, Moving from PwC into your own practice must have been super scary. Was that like a bold move for you or was it something that was always in you? Yeah, it was, um, I guess it was quite, it was quite exciting at the time. 
I, because I'd always wanted to run my own business. I never thought I would run an accountancy firm. In fact, when I joined PwC, the idea was that I'd do my training, my ACA training, which took about three years, and then even my CTA. So that took another year and a half, two years. So I was there for about five years. And, uh, you know, together with other other friends of mine, we're always thinking of, you know, what, what business could we set up? So from a young age, I had this kind of entrepreneurial mindset, you know, we're buying and selling stuff throughout school and university and things like that. And accountancy firm never actually pictured in any of those plans. It was always, you know, setting up a cafe or setting up, you know, an e-commerce mm. business or setting up, you know, buying and selling mobile phones and things like that. Um, and actually, we were in the throes of about to uh, seriously consider setting up our own um uh, I was in Birmingham at the time and setting up our own shisha cafe. You know what shisha is? It's kind of those yeah, tobacco yeah. type pipes. I don't understand why you'd have like why, but yes, I understand what it is. <laughs> and that was back in sort of 2007. And then suddenly the tobacco ban came in. So that kind of yeah. our plans to say, oh, well, look, you know, this, this is really going to kill off um, any mm. shisha cafe. So this is a bad idea. Uh, and we went back, back to the drawing board. And it was at that time that uh, my father-in-law, who who is an accountant who, who runs the practice that I have now, he was actually looking to sell. And you know, I was talking to him once when we came down south to visit and he said, yeah, I'm, I'm, selling, I'm selling my practice. I've been talking to you know, some firms around me with a view to exiting because he's reaching, reaching retirement age. And I thought, oh, well, what about, you know, what about if I buy it? Uh, and we got talking and um, the rest is history. So I decided to, to, to buy into the practice and that's how we started. So yes, it was scary, but at the same time, I wanted to kind of be my own boss. I wanted to yeah. be in control. I, you know, I wasn't really a very good employee. You know, I hated kind of being confined to the nine to five and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and timesheets and uh, it really robbed me kind of having to work for somebody else. So it was always my vision and dream to be my own boss. And I guess the opportunity came along and uh, and I took it and the rest is history. Yeah, I think the the jump from an employee to being your own boss is is really um, it's huge, isn't it? I mean, I've done it obviously myself um, with a cafe actually. Um, when you said you wanted to start a cafe, I did start a cafe. Nice. Um, and like you, I just sat there one day and went, I don't want to do this anymore. And I negotiated a term on a cafe that day. It was it was the most surreal experience. Then having the cafe, I was like, oh. <laughs> now I need to actually know how to run a cafe and like I didn't know anything about accounts I knew nothing nothing at all all I had ever done in my life was sales but you have to learn fast don't you and the world of business to me is fascinating so I'm sure you went through a whole process of, of learning you said you come across um, a webinar on pricing and that was a pinnacle moment for you do you want to tell us about that yeah sure so it was at the point where, you know, we weren't really, you know, we weren't really making much money. I was working crazy hours and we were doing timesheets, we were hourly billing, that sort of thing. And I came across a, a webinar which kind of enlightened me to an alternative way. And the idea that, you know, um, you know, hourly billing is not the way to do things because clients don't buy time from us. Nobody cares about your costs and clients are actually buying a result, an outcome and a solution. And we need to price the value that we deliver. So that was kind Mm -hmm. of my entry point, as it were, into value pricing, the whole concept of pricing value. And I went on a journey of kind of, you know, just immersing myself into learning more about it and reading all the books and studying from, you know, all the the gurus who talked about pricing and actually not just learning about it, but then 
actually taking action and putting it yeah. in practice, what I was learning, and we started to get results almost immediately. Uh, and then that gave me the confidence to continue doing it and to get bolder in terms of what I was doing. And yeah, we suddenly went from having, you know, average fees of about a thousand pounds up to, you know, average fees of about 10,000 pounds. Now there was some, you know, I learned a lot about pricing one-off projects, which is what I teach accountants now and being able to value price one-off projects from, you know, starting off with 10,000 up to 66,000 in 2016. I never thought that would be beaten. And then a couple of years later, we got a fee of 135,000, which, you know, my ex-bosses at PwC would have been proud of. But all yeah. through learning about value pricing uh, and how it win-win, so that you know when you when you actually truly understand it, that pricing is simply about taking a share of the value you create. So if you truly understand the value you're creating for a client and the quantum of the problem that you're solving, then you can take a share of that value through your pricing. Pricing has nothing to do with cost; it's all to do with value because the only calculation going on in anyone's mind when we buy anything is is the price i am paying less than the value i am getting and if it is i buy if not i don't so we just need to get better at articulating what is that value what is the perceived value the actual value that we are delivering to clients and we take a share of that for our pricing i think for for me the the thing that jumped out is um you can't understand the value unless you understand your clients and because accountants have such a breadth of clients, typically, if they have a general practice, they really struggle to articulate what their value is because it's all over the place. Um, so what would you say to those guys? Yeah, so this is where, you know, they come into your territory here and now as well. Um, and I, you know, there's, there's, two, there's two things I believe are, there's two things which are, I believe, are superpowers in business. They are pricing and marketing. And if you can get good at those, then you can scale any business to any height that you want. Because when you under, because marketing essentially is about, is, is, is your entire strategy. So I, I've come up with this four pillar framework that I teach accountants through, and they all start with P. This pricing, positioning, process, and people. And when you can build those foundations, then you can scale any business you want to become profitable, successful, and as impactful as you want it to be. And pricing and positioning are linked. Because, you know, positioning is all to do with, you know, who you want as a client. And you need to get crystal clear on the who. Because when you get crystal clear on the who, then the what, where, and how to find them becomes so much easier. And again, you know, I know you talk about this a lot. It's about, you know, you have to specialize. Because if you don't specialize, then what ends up happening is that no one can differentiate you from another accountant. If no one can differentiate you, you become a commodity. When you're a commodity then you're not going to be able to charge more than the, uh, than the other accountant down the road because no one can see you as different. So you have to be different. So it all starts off with that positioning. And the more you can differentiate yourself as being different, then the more you can charge because the greater perceived value the client would have that you can solve their problem, that you understand them better. Mm. I would go one step further as well. I think um, understanding your positioning helps you differentiate yourself from the, from the competitors. And it all starts with you believing that actually you're worth whatever you're charging. Um, I see that all the time. People are like, well, I don't know what's different. We just do the same thing. But you don't. You don't do the same thing. You do it in a different way with different types of people. So you're absolutely right. There's one thing I've, I've watched your videos, Reza. Obviously, they're fantastic. Um, so well done for, for that. But I've watched your videos and you said something about positioning, which I think everyone needs to hear. 
He said, don't be something to everyone. You should be everything to someone. And I'm probably going to steal this in the future. And I'll credit you, obviously, but I think that's absolutely magical. So where does that come from? Yeah, I, again, I, I I probably got it from somewhere, so it's not original. I need to find you know where who I heard it from and uh, and where it came from. But it's um, yeah, it's 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 like the other quote I use a lot as well, which is that um, oh, I forgot it now. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're right. It's it's about yeah, you don't want to be you don't want to be something to everyone. So that's what most practitioners are. They're, they take on a variety of clients from many industries and they think, you know, they're probably li- the, kind of the same service to everyone, which is, oh, you know, it's okay. You, you can, you can make a profit from being a generalist, but you can be even more profitable and it, it make it much easier for yourself to attract the kind of clients that you want that will pay you the fees that you want when you become everything to someone. So what that means is get crystal clear on the who. So this is my, you know, I'm writing a book at the moment. And in my in my positioning chapter, I say, you know, Simon Sinek says, start with why. I say, start with who. Because when you're crystal clear on the who, everything becomes yeah. easier. And when you speak to most marketers or when, when accountants think of marketing, they think of tactics. They think of, oh, should I do SEO and share online blogs? And do I need to go on social media? All of that is just going to be just noise. If you're not clear yeah. on the strategy, you're not clear and on the yeah, then then you know everything is going to be noise. So get clear on that first because that is that is the essence of your business model as well. Knowing who you serve, then off the back of that, it's much easier to decide. Oh, okay, well now I know I serve these people. Now I know where to find them. I know what to say to them. I know what their pain points are. Everything becomes so much easier when you get clear on the who. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you, and I think there is um, there's a lot of emotions that go into not defining your positioning. So not you don't necessarily have to niche, I don't think. I think we can still like um, be a bit broader than, than, than niching down. But you don't define who you're focusing on. You don't define who you are as a practice or the positioning that you have as a practice. Um, and I think, where, where was I going? Now you've done it to me. <laughs> <laughs> but then... yeah, because when you're, trying, <laughs> it's when you're trying to appeal to everyone, you appeal to no one. Yeah, that was what yeah. I mean. And I was going back to, to pricing and the emotions behind it. So accountants get really hit up with um, not niching, not positioning themselves because they think they're going to lose out. And they get really hit up with the pricing because, once again, they think if they put their prices up, they're going to lose out. And there are lots of negative emotions that stop them doing this. So how, how do you help those guys? What do you say to them? Yeah, it, does, it, it all starts with, with mindset, doesn't it? That it's all kind of between these two ears in terms of... It's a bit of a buzzword, though, isn't it? I mean, I, I completely agree, but it is a bit of a buzzword. What, mindset? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, it's true, though, because, you know, in terms of the... If you look at the psychology behind anything we do, everything we do is driven by our beliefs. And our mm. beliefs come from how we feel, and how we feel comes from our thoughts. So literally, and you know, the science has shown that our brain literally talks to us all day. We, we, we spend most of our day listening to ourselves. So if you're telling yourself every day, I can't possibly charge that much because I live in a certain area. I can't possibly charge that much because I'm just a sole practitioner. I can't possibly charge that much because of X, Y, and Z. You're making excuses for yourself. And when you think like that, you're going to act that way because you've defined those beliefs in yourself. So if you just tell your brain to bring you another thought, and it does it literally just starts like that. And if you, you know, look at um, there's, there's a guest on uh, Stephen Bartlett's show, 
um, Mo Gaudat. If uh, if you heard anyone, you know, wants to kind of go into the psychology and then hear how he's kind of phrased it, then um, go and go and listen to his stuff because it all starts off with with how we think. And that is the benefit of coming on things. If you're listening to this and if you're on social media and you're on LinkedIn, you can hear, you know, other accountants getting fees of 10, 20, 30,000 pounds. That's good. That's good for you to hear and listen to and be part of those communities because that will give you the confidence that it is possible. When you've got that level of confidence that it is possible and you see it's possible for people just like you, then it starts to change the thoughts in your mind. Actually, yeah, I can charge more. I can put my prices up. And when you think that way and you act that way, in front of a client and you're demonstrating that confidence, there's no reason why you can't charge more for what you do. But then it does boil down to knowing your positioning strategy. That's really important because if it's just a generalist and you can't differentiate yourself, it's going to be very difficult for you to charge higher prices. But when you get clear on who it is that you want to serve, and I know you said, um, Kelly, that, you know, you don't have to niche, but actually, you know, let's, let's get off the fence. You do. If you really want to go uber profitable, yes, you do have to yeah. niche. There are different ways of niching. Yeah. There's niche by industry, there's niche by life cycle, there's niche by activity. So, yes, there are different ways to niche, and it doesn't mean you close the doors on other clients. You know, we still accept we still accept clients will come from, you know, referrals from other clients that we have. But in terms of our marketing, it's very clear as to the kind of client that you want because it's much easier for us to get clients when we're clear on who we want to get. Yeah, I think that, that for me is that you've hit the nail on the head. It's you can still accept business from outside. So when people, when we talk about niching, people think that you close the doors and it becomes super scary. But actually what you need to do is be known for something. Yes. So niching your marketing, um, getting a good position out there, explaining explaining your value. But it doesn't mean that you can't accept business that's outside of it. Although one of your P's is process. Um, and this is definitely not my, my bag either because you know, this is more internal processes. But when you have a good niche or a good fund, uh, a good set of clients that all have the same needs, your internal processes must become a dream. Absolutely. Yeah. So what, what, hold on, who have we got? We've got Jason Robertson, says niche your marketing, not your practice. And that's an Amanda C. Watts quote, I believe, he says. Very good. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So with the people who are um, looking at the processes of the business, um, is that a ton of work? Like what, I've got no idea about the internal processes of an accountant. So talk about that. Let me know what what work is, what workload is there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you're, you're absolutely right. When you do get clear on who you want to serve, then you become automatically profitable as a result because mm. – you are you're able to charge a premium fee because you're now specialist. Okay, so automatically you're going to get more in at the top end, and then internally your people are going to be able to manage more work. They're going to, be able to manage more clients because they're doing virtually the same thing and they're familiar with the quirks and the intricacies of those type of clients because you deal with many of them. So I'll give you an example. You know we've we've got a couple of niches. We've got uh, we've got a property tax niche, which we created back in 2016. And then just recently, I don't know if you know about this, but early in 2021, I believe, I I started a course called Power Positioning to teach accountants how to win clients on autopilot. But instead of mm -hmm. just teaching it, I said, I'm going to do it with you. 
I'm going to set up a brand new accounting firm with a new audience and a new niche and everything that I do, I'm going to share with you and eat my dog food as it were. And hopefully I won't have egg on my face and then it will actually generate a result and have, you know, 100K in 12 months, which was my promise to the accountants. And thankfully it did. So, you know, we set up a new brand. It was called Capture Accounting, new logo, new website. It was designed for accounting services for content creators and influencers. So very specific niche. Yeah, so very specific uh, niche. And so we got clear on the who. Once we got clear on the who, you know, we put the messaging together, the website, we started to understand we had one client in that niche. So for anyone listening to this thinking, no, I don't have enough clients in a particular sector to niche, we had one. We had one client, we worked with him for 18 months. So we understood that sector pretty well. And we knew, you know, what the pain points were. We knew, you know, what we'd done. And we, you know, we had undergone a, a journey of having to research things and figure things out, VAT, interview VAT, you know, all the different digital products and, you know, how to kind of uh, record that in zero. We'd done all that hard work learning it, which meant that the second and third client we took on was easy because we'd done it once. So that's yeah. how you generate that profitability, by getting crystal clear on who you serve. Because then when you, when you reach out, when people see that, you will only, or when they see it very specific, when they, when you, when they, when they can see themselves called out in your marketing. So when they come onto our page, the first thing they see is accountants for content creators and influencers. And what people are looking for in their brains is a filter to say, will these people help me survive or thrive? If yes, then I'm going to read on. Yes, they're calling Mm -hmm. me out. Then, you know, we show them the problems. They can see that immediately. Then they can see someone like them, the social proof. Mm -hmm. Then they can see a call to action to say, book a call they are going to want to take action to come and talk to us because they feel, even though, even if we didn't have any clients, if our messaging stated that we just deal with content created influencers, they will feel we understand them better than a generalist. And people want to work with experts. They want to work with specialists because they want to feel that you understand them better, that you understand yeah. their problems, their challenges, their hopes, their dreams, their fears, and they feel more comfortable working with you and they're prepared to pay a premium for what you do. So you can charge a premium, it's quicker for you to do the work. And then guess what happens? What falls out at the end is your nice big profit at the end of it. It's interesting. So I think you would go like a, a one or two steps further than I would. So by the sounds of it, when we're looking at different niches, I would say start with one, develop and building it, same as you. But then I would add the second niche to that existing brand. And I would build landing pages for that specific niche. Sounds like you're like, no, have a completely separate brand for that niche, period. Is that right? Um, I guess, it, yeah, it, it, it depends. I mean, it, ultimately, it's achieving the same purpose. I mean, my views on websites are that pretty websites don't sell. You know, accountants yeah. spend so much time deliberating over, you know, fancy websites because they've been sold a dream by some, you know, marketing agency yeah. purporting to give them a fancy looking website with, you know, pages and pages of stuff about them. Your client doesn't care. Literally, you yeah. have less than 30 seconds to make an impression. You know, people aren't sitting there reading websites, people browse websites. If they, you can't capture them within the first 30 seconds, they're gone. That's the average mm-hmm. time someone spends on the website. So our new capture brand is it's like a landing page. It's a one page website. Yeah. And literally, it's just designed to tick boxes in that prospect's mind to think, yes, I'm in the right place. Yes, they understand me. What do I do next? Big call to action buttons all the way down. Either if they're not quite ready to do work with you, lead magnet. If not, book a call. That's it. The sole purpose of your website should be designed for a prospect to take action. That's it. It's like your window display. It's your digital, um, you know, it's a digital shop front. That's all it is. 
Just like when you have a fancy shop, you want them to walk through the door, your website's only purpose should be to get that prospect to take action, i.e. book a call with you or download a lead magnet. That's it. Yeah. So a one page is more than sufficient. I had um, an argument with someone once in the law firm, not an accounting firm. Um, I put um, call to action buttons all through the website. And they were like, oh, no, no, you have to take them all out. I only want one. I'm like, no, no, what we're doing is we're encouraging a step at every every opportunity. Are you ready now? Are you ready now? Are you ready now? Take an action. And they're like, you can't do this. This is family law. This is too overwhelming. And I literally, I, you don't know how long me and her argued. And arguing with a lawyer is not easy, by the way. You know, in terms of when someone comes on your website, whoever it is, you know, people are the same, whether they're looking for law services or accounting or anything else for that matter, we're all the same. You know, we, yeah. uh, you know, our, our time is a prized commodity. We're not sitting there wanting to read uh, reams and reams and pages, pages of text before we, we take an action. We're, we, you know, we want shortcuts. Our brain is taking shortcuts all the time. Yeah, I think you're looking for evidence, aren't you? If you've landed on it, you're like, well, this is probably going to work. Landing, like you've landed on the, on the page itself. Then you're just looking for evidence, yeah. you know? So this is why the testimonials are needed. This is why you need video and, and trust-building content on there. And that's pretty much what, that's it. We can fix your problem call us now you know um yeah i think people waste money waste money and i think what people also if we just go down the marketing route they waste money on seo without actually understanding what it is they're trying to achieve in the first place which destroys me um because it's such a long game um that it's just not it's not okay for everybody so much money um so Making sure that your profitable pricing is one end of it. Your processes are the other end of it. What else do we need to know about making your firm profitable? Mm. Okay. Yeah. So it's about it's about making sure that we've got those working on those four pillars. So your pricing, your positioning are your external pillars. So mm. the more clear you get on who you serve, the more you'll be able to charge. So that's your pricing and position interlinked with each other. After all, pricing is one of the four P's of marketing. So they are inextricably linked. And then once they're in, then you just have your internal system. So this is kind of all the boring stuff, but, you know, accountants like to like to debate, you know, what, what's the <laughs> best practice management solution. And these all things are all important. You want to have one source of truth. You want to have one system where you, rather than spreadsheets to look at to say, right, all your client data is in here. You've got your workflow set up. So you're making things easier for your team. You let the systems do the heavy lifting, which then your people will follow. So people is another pillar as well in terms of, you know, getting the right people on board, getting the right people in the seats, how you manage the culture you have, not, you know, looking at what actually drives employee motivation, uh, yeah. not using timesheets and things like that, which are kind of our archaic and actually giving people that autonomy, that, um, that sense of purpose, that ability to develop mastery in terms of what they're doing to help them work in their zones of genius. These are all things that drive employee motivation. So, you know, given that, the two biggest challenges I hear from accountants is one is getting new clients. The others is we can't find the right people. Well, actually, what are you doing to market to potential applicants? What does your culture look like? You know, are you still, do you still have a very much kind of, uh, you know, I've got to ask for leave, you know, nine to five timesheets, or are you open? Do you have a culture where people are measured on results, not presenteeism? Can they work when, where, how they want to, 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 to get results? Because, 
that's what people are looking for. They're looking for that autonomy. They're looking for that ability for self-determination. Just like we want that freedom. Your people want that freedom too. And thankfully, you know, pandemic has helped to kind of, uh, you know, get rid of some of the old uh, uh, stereotypes that we had about working practices, which is a great thing to see. So building that culture will help you to attract the best talent, retain your high performers by maximizing everyone's potential. There's um, uh, Heather Elkinton that has been sharing some posts from their Instagram recently, from Go Proposals Instagram, and the they're doing takeovers. So different roles in the business are doing a takeover for the Instagram stories. And my comment was that that's not going to hurt your recruitment process, is it? You know, so it's really good for your marketing because it helps show show your values and culture as a marketing perspective. But actually, it helps people recognize that they want to work for you. Surely that's got to be a good thing to include in your marketing. Definitely. Absolutely. The more, again, it's all about getting you know giving people a picture of what actually goes on inside which is the you know it's something that people want to know just like when you were talking to a prospect you need to give them an indication what's going to happen next because people are nervous you know they've they've come from a relationship where they haven't been treated well their accountants have let them down and what you don't want is for them to suffer buyer's remorse so the more you can manage expectations by telling them what's going to happen when it's going to happen what you're going to do why you're different actually show them not just tell them that's when you give them that comfort that yes okay actually these guys they're not just saying they're different we can actually see that they're different and the same applies when you're marketing for candidates you know the more you can show internally the operations of how you operate who is there that's not going to hurt your yeah for sure I think the, um, there, there is definitely a recruitment problem at the moment, which is really weird because we're seeing um, um, younger younger people come through. It's not necessarily younger, but a different generation of, of accountants come through at the moment. And do you think that they're all coming through with the um, aspirations to start their own practice? Or where, where's the gap? Because it's not like there isn't enough being trained. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, I think, um, so you're saying, are there, are there not enough accountants coming through or younger yeah, accountants? We, we've seen, we see a load of accountants coming through. They're definitely going through the training. Yeah. But there, yeah. Isn't, there is a gap. There is a, there is a recruitment gap. So where is the problem? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there is there is a gap because, you know, I, I, I come across, you know, I speak to, to many accountants on the program and some don't have a problem with recruitment and some do. Okay. I think the ones that don't have a problem with the recruitment are the ones who have are very clear on you know on their values and they're very open in terms of they're very clear on on their own marketing as well because that helps you know when you when you are very clear on your own marketing to clients then you know people want to work for a forward thinking dynamic firm they don't want to work for an archaic firm so you know they're looking at your marketing as well they're looking at yeah. you know whether you're specializing and things like that because they want to work for you know someone a firm that is going places where they can see themselves growing and learning and getting better and actually doing good work and contributing to positives to the clients and things like that so you know the more active you are on social media about your own marketing that's going to transfer into people looking at you and checking you out when they want to apply for a role so again it's it's never a bad thing when you you know when you get your positioning and your messaging right for your clients and for your people it's never a bad thing because there is going to be crossover between the two as well so yeah i mean there is 
yes, I know some people are struggling and therefore, you know, there are, there are uh, many accountants looking at offshoring and outsourcing, which are, you know, plausible options as well in this day and age where you can access a pool of talent across the other side of the world, given the technology that we have that can support your operations as well. And that's no bad thing. Um, yeah. and people should, should embrace that. Yeah. I mean, I've got a couple of clients that actually do that very well. And I've got a couple of clients that wouldn't even dream of it. So once again, it's going back to your own culture that you want to create really and the business that you want to run and the leader that you want to be um, when you're responsible for people in the UK you know you have to be that that internal leader you have to drive it whereas if you have an outsourced team I think there's a bit more flexibility there so mm. um, I would talk to you all day I would love to cover onboarding at some point because I think that is the golden marketing opportunity I think that's the thing that people miss out on but we don't have time. Um, so, Reza, I'm going to ask you one further question. What is the sexiest thing about accountants? Oh, I should have prepared for this one. <laughs> Everyone says that. <laughs> wow. Um, hmm. We well, always I had someone say that they're the best kisses, but, you know, it's unvalidated, <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the sexiest thing is probably the, you know, the 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 contribution and the the positive impact we can have on clients lives when we get it right so you know the more the more dialed in you are and then let's you know keep it to the theme that we've been covering the more dialed in you get to who you serve then you know you can make it a really positive contribution where you know you're extremely happy because you're getting paid what you're worth and clients are happy because you're you're delivering an amazing service to them and they just feel like you get it so much better than anyone else and you do because you've decided to hone in on exactly that particular audience so yeah positive contributors is the sexiest thing about accountants i love it i love it well Thank you very much for, for being my guest. Um, I'm going to point people to your LinkedIn profile because so you're quite prolific on there. Sure. I'll drop in your website as well. Perfect. Anywhere else? Uh, a podcast. So I've got, if you're listening to this on, on your podcast, you're a podcast, podcast <laughs> listener, then check out the Transform Your Profits podcast as well. But yeah, LinkedIn uh, is, uh, is perfect. Fantastic. All right. Well, thanks ever so much for being on the show. Thank you, Kelly. It's been a pleasure. Right, give me two Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. We've got a ton more guests already lined up and I can't wait to share that with you. Please also remember to check out our sponsor, Charterpath. They're bridging the gap between financial skills and the nonprofit sector. And if you're looking at growing your practice and wondering what is the next step for you or how to do that, maybe you want to check out Accounting Pirates as well. We've got a treasure chest of support there that might be able to help you get to your next level.